0: Listening to the Authenticity Show, where you get to eavesdrop on great conversations about health, creativity, and the quest for excellence. Your hosts are Carlos Casados and Satch Purcell. Our guest today is Mark Hay. Mark Hay is a lover of nature and the founder, along with his wife Amy, of Coast Live Oak School in Southern California where they teach not only survival skills, but also native and ancestral skills to allow people of all ages to deepen their connection with their environment and live in accord with
1: nature. Well, good evening, guys. (laughs) Hey, hey. All right. Welcome, all of us, to The Authenticity Show. Really excited about tonight. Yeah, yeah. This is going to be an interesting one, Carlos. It's going to be a very
2: interesting one. Yes, um, You and I love nature, and I think we might yes, have somebody across from us who might actually love it even more than we do. Maybe. There could be evidence for this tonight. Indeed. So tonight we have Mark Hay. Uh, hello, Mark. Welcome to the show. Thank you.
1: Hey, Mark Hay.
3: Yes. <laughs> I've n- never heard that before. I'm sure you never have.
1: <laughs> hey, hey, what do you say? But I I've have, have pun Tourette's, yeah. and it just, it's going to happen <laughs> all night probably.
2: Pun I like that. I do. That's good. It's, That's good. <laughs> Um, so, so Mark, you, um, your, your reputation has preceded you in my experience because I've been hearing about the survival skills camps that Oliver, our uh, producers' children, have attended that you run, and uh, it was fascinating to me when I first heard about it. So, um, maybe we could start with what that is. What, what is it exactly that you do?
3: Well, the camps that Zoe and Emma have done are basically for seven to fourteen-year-olds. And we do them at local parks so like Irvine Park, San Diego Oaks pretty close by And the real sort of main like motivation is just to get the kids outside and like doing stuff with their hands which you know is sort of for a lot of kids isn't really things that they do that much anymore and for some kids it is it depends on the kid you know but a lot of kids now are playing video games and staying inside a lot And for them to just be able to go outside and have fun and make things with their hands, we make tools, make bows and arrows and other kinds of tools. Um, It's just a different way of having having fun, you know. Mm, Ancient
1: skills building.
3: Yeah, that's what we're teaching because we're teaching, basically, we do primitive skills, which is survival skills with no metal tools, no modern tools, Um, but we make it accessible to the kids. Like one of the first things we do is we make ro- knives out of rocks, you know? Which is yeah. like very fun, it's very simple. You just like crack rocks against other rocks and flakes come off and you use the flakes as a knife. And it's, yeah. like, it's like an explosion. It's incredibly satisfying. Wow. Yeah, it <laughs> well, sounds
2: it sounds like it. You know, it's almost it almost sounds like it. It should appeal to some deep, deep genetic drive that us humans have. That yeah. you're really tapping into something. That's so yeah. what. that's what I feel. Because the
3: rock blows things. up and the sharp thing flies off, and then there's your tool. And wow, wow. So it's like wow, uh, we beautiful. call it um, creation by destruction. <laughs> oh, that's great, <laughs> creation
2: by destruction. Wow. Yeah um
3: so uh what are some other skills that you you teach uh, these um kids to do? we do a lot of um just stuff around basic needs which is like all humans basically have the needs of shelter water fire and food and so we just use that as our like outline mm. and so the first thing we do kids make a shelter and they can get as creative as they want with it you know okay the yeah. seven-year-olds have big imagination and they kind of try things and try to build towers and tree houses and all kinds of other stuff. Wow. The older kids might have seen movies or videos or documentaries. They kinda of get a little bit more focused on like, no, that doesn't work. This kind of thing works. And they get a little bit more practical, but everybody just kind of like goes with their imagination. And so making shelters pretty fundamental skill. Um yeah. in terms of living outside, you because know? it's not really survival, it's living, you know. And, and then from there, water is the second priority in terms of like, if you're going to live outside, your water would be your second priority after shelter. So we just walk and look for water, you know, and that's fun because you see a lot yeah. of things on the way. And then making fire is pretty fundamental skill and sort of the, after finding water, you make fire, fire gives us a lot of different things, allows us to boil water, allows us to cook food, allows us to make tools, gives us light, gives us heat, gives us, you know, so many other things and then food in that order shelter water fire food food is actually the last priority because you can go the longest without it you can go for about three weeks without food You can really go for only about three days without water um so the food is something the way that we do food is by teaching the kids how to make tools like a bow and arrow is basically a food getting tool yeah so we teach the kids how to make bows and arrows with no modern tools just super simple we use Mexican fan palm branches, which are the palm trees, the ubiquitous Southern California palm trees are Mexican fan palms. We make the bows with those. And then the arrows is a plant that's very common around here that grows in the river washes and stuff. That's just a straight, nice, hard, straight growing plant. And the kids sometimes are able to cut it with their own knives. And wow. They're, they're rock from knives scratch. that they've made. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
1: Wow. That's beautiful. Shelter, water, fire, food in yeah. that order. Yeah. That's cool. That there's a there's an order and structure to it, kind of like Maslow's needs in nature. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what I was thinking yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. Well, this
2: is an interesting idea. I guess um, it makes me sort of feel like if if I was having to make those things for myself or for my own family and friends out in nature, I would have so much more appreciation and so much more gratitude for what I have. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, not often do we wake up every morning and go, oh, I have this amazing shelter. Oh, you know, I, I have fire just coming out of sockets in the walls. Mm-hmm. Y- you know, um, it, it's it's an interesting thought. Um, uh, does your work cause you to have, you know, more awareness of those kinds of appreciations? What's that Definitely. Like? Yeah.
3: And that's a little bit of sort of like the secret goal for the kids is that oh. they go home and they're like, wow, like I really have it pretty good. Like, my house is already built. And like you said, fire's yeah. coming out of the wall. We don't really, like, yeah. break it down for them too much and make it all, you know, try to intellectualize it too much. Mm-hmm. But I think just by doing it, the kids realize, like, wow, like, I don't have to go look for water and make fire by hand and go forage for food every day. Even though that might be fun, I get, it's already here for me. It's already provided. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like it's suggested rather than... instructed yeah yeah because when the kids experience something like firsthand and then they project in their own imagination wow what would it really be like Mm. like if i really had to live out here for a week they kind of like go wow that would be hard but then they also say well you know it's learnable people did it our ancestors all of our ancestors at some point in past did that you know and so it just puts things in perspective for them you know yeah But then personally i mean like the first time that I ever went out for like a week and just lived off the land for a week. I did a class up in Washington where we basically had a backpack, a water bottle, and a knife. That's it. Wow. We had our clothes on our back. you know, okay. And so we were living off the land for a week just with those things. We were literally following elk trails just up and down these hills in the wilderness areas, kind of on the eastern side of the Cascades, which is a little bit drier in the state wow. of Washington. Um, and it was just amazing because it was like, you tune in to all of these things that you don't really tune into. And the real like sort of deep realization that I had is that when you're living like that, life is very creative because you're making decisions that are creating your reality, you know, whereas in our, not to like be negative or anything, but like in our reality, everything's sort of built already and the roads mm. are sort of already where they are. And, you know, everything is sort of mapped out already. Yeah, it's sort of when already been created for us. We're so yeah. not really participating in it And, that. and you, can, yeah. you can break out of that. You can make your own house. I mean, we have the freedom to break out of that. It's not like we're slaves or anything. But when you're in the wild and when you're building your shelter every night to sleep in, and when you're going to look for water and you're cooking your own food and cooking your own meals and looking for food and and connecting to the people that you're with on a very intimate level because... You have to. Mm. There's a lot of creativity that occurs in that situation, you know, yeah. from all, on all levels, you know, like, yeah. I mean, the conversations are amazing because you're sitting and you're getting to know these people who at the beginning of the week, cause it's a week long experience are basically perfect strangers. And that by the end of the week, you're like bonded with them cause you've gone yeah. through so much. And, you know, so all of that really is an amazing experience for kids. It's amazing. For adults, it's amazing because yeah. for adults, going out, being out with people, going through all that yeah. is, is yeah. very strong. You know? Yeah. Well, you know, I'm glad you said
2: uh, just moments ago that um, we can break out of that mm-hmm. um, because I suspect a lot of people don't realize that they can break out of it and that they can go and do those kinds of experiences and learn those kinds of skills. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're somebody who's done that. You know, that's, that's amazing. I love that. And yeah. I think
3: that's something that that sort of has come into my life more strongly after learning these skills and doing these things and tapping into that world is that, like, you realize that you can just make, you can make your reality, you know? Yeah. I mean, you can make it on a physical way. You can say, I want my house to be like this or, you know, I want to sleep in a teepee or I want to build a shelter the next time I go camping and sleep in that shelter instead of sleeping in my tent. But then it also goes to, like, a more subtle level of, like, I can construct the reality that I want the relationships, the interactions mm. that I have, you know, wow. cause every, every interaction matters, you know, every yeah. interaction builds to something, right? You wow. Know? So
1: I love, um, the clarity that you seem to have achieved through doing what you love. And I love that, um, what you're expressing is a philosophy that's, um, practical, you know, that it's, it's, Kind of been born out of your experiences and your, you know, it feels it really feels like you're sharing uh, your life philosophy with us, and it's a practical one. You know, it's something that you've witnessed in your life, and and I like that. I appreciate that. I can sense uh, uh, the possibility for an authenticity show field trip, uh, week long uh, survival skills training based <laughs> on just this conversation. Oh yeah, oh, wouldn't yeah. you love that? Gosh. Awesome. You know, I I, I think. You know, so, so here on our show,
2: you know, we, we use this word authentic all the time. And I cannot imagine having an authentic life without some kind of significant connection to nature. I just, I just don't see how oh, I yeah. could have an authentic life without that. Yeah, no way. You know? And I don't feel like I get enough of it. Mm. Um, but uh, it's certainly a longing. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, Carlos, I'd like to point out that our uh, wonderful guest here is actually wearing moccasins that he made himself. Yeah. And I'm curious about your hat. I see a hat that looks like it's made of similar leather. Did you make this hat too? No, or is it no, just, It's just, just, just an awesome hat that somebody else made. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, matches the like shoes. It. Yeah. it totally matches the shoes. Yeah. Irish sheep herder. Oh, <laughs> it is. Yeah. yeah. Very much like that. Yeah. It's
3: just, yeah. It's been sitting around. My hair is messy. Hat if it, hair. If you're showing up for a radio interview, you have to look good. right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, when you cut maybe, your hair with a stone not. knife, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah.
2: Do you make stone scissors to cut? Yeah.
1: For our psychic listeners out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh man, that's great. But th- those are, uh, those shoes look, you know, awfully similar to some of the shoes that, you know, Satch and I wore back when we first started doing the minimalist running. Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, in uh, fact, we'll, I want a pair of what you have. Yeah. Yeah, those are very, awesome. That's comfortable.
1: Maybe we'll take a class with you in, in how to make those, and, and then that could be something that we could do again.
3: Yeah, definitely. Th- these are made from um, hand tanned deer skin, and it's a long process, it's very satisfying. Um, Because you're basically taking, like, the skin of the deer, like, fresh off the deer. Yeah. Scraping the hair off, scraping the flesh off. And you're basically transforming it into not commercial tanned leather, which is very stiff and hard. Mm. But something that is extremely soft and supple. And Like, I just wash these. You can wash it with soap and water and it softens right up again. No way. It's amazing for running Mm. because it just, like, just goes on, like, it's, like, it's like wearing a sock, basically, but yeah. it's tough, durable. They make right. me want to go running right now. Yeah, right. When I want to see those, yeah, it's definitely That's the great. closest Screw the show. Let's go barefooted. running <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Because right. this is, I mean, I put like a thin little layer of plastic on the bottom just for okay. durability. Sure, but it's the, the last without the plastic. That was off a plastic it tree. It feels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're always like mixing, mixing modern. You know, oh yeah. man, plastic is like yeah, a miracle the... material. You know, yeah. yeah, it it is. yeah. And yeah. the fact that it's only like been around for sixty years, and
1: you can be out in the middle of know? nowhere. And, oh my God! There's a piece of plastic here. Right? That jerk. Yeah. I guess still, I'll use it to make shoes. Still there. Yeah. yeah. I,
2: I I had heard um, on a, a survival show that um, uh, the Native Americans that lived out in the desert used to have to often change their moccasins like every few days. Mm-hmm. So uh, when a piece of plastic can make them last a long time, that's, yeah. that is quite miraculous.
3: Yeah. You know? Yeah. No. I mean, because yeah. you appreciate that you appreciate the modern stuff, and you know, like. Plastic yeah. is terrible for the environment, but yeah. if you save something, and use it till its maximum life use. Hopefully yeah, yeah, that's you're repurposing good. it, yeah. and at least at yeah.
1: least uh, uh-huh. making it for good use. I mean, the, the huarache the, that yeah. uh, in Mexico and the, and the copper, you know, the Tarahumara oh, yeah, Indians yeah. that uh-huh. use, you know, they use bits of tire. Yeah, you know, whatever they can find. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tough the, tire, the, the
3: tires that have been thrown out. It's yeah. trash. They just cut it off. And it's no good for,
1: for a, yeah. a truck, but it's good for my feet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Smart. It's yeah. just smart living.
2: So um, do you remember a time when you fell in love with nature?
3: Uh, yes. It was definitely when I was a kid. And I think the ocean was sort of like my first love because I, I like being in the ocean and like body surfing or surfing or whatever, riding waves Like better than anything else by far. I I mean, there'd be times where I'd be body surfing for like six hours straight, and you just forget that you're a human. You feel like a seal, right? Mm. That's a great feeling. Yeah. And then when you get out, you're you sort of think about it later, and you're like, wow, that was just like I was like not in human brain. (laughs) I was in like. seal mm-hmm. brain you yeah know? yeah. so that was sort of the way that I sort of experienced it in, you know I mean but then you know the color of the blue sky sometimes like is just there's mm. the color of blue that the sky gets yeah that just wow. cannot be recreated by wow so you know? it sounds like you've developed a lot of awareness I think just yeah. being outside a lot sometimes people uh-huh. say it kind of like goes to your head a little bit but uh-huh. I don't think it does but you uh-huh. experience so much beauty that it sort of overwhelms you
1: Did you have models for, for that as, as a kid, or is this something that you, you did uniquely in your family? Like in other That's words, question. did your parents do it, or, or um, how did I you?
3: think, I mean, my mom and dad definitely like liked to be outside, and they definitely encouraged us to be outside, uh-huh. which I think for our generation, was sort of something that everybody did. You you played outside. I mean, did you guys play outside? Oh, yeah. The country. Yeah. 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 We, we still played outside. Yeah. outside. Yeah.
2: I remember walking home from school and we said, Do you want to go the regular way or do you want to take the ninja way? Yeah,
3: exactly. Right. We took the ninja yeah. way as we had often the same as possible. Same phrase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, We still use that technical terminology ninja. Ninja. in different. It's an adjective. So, it's it. a total way. It is. It's a total way. It's very descriptive. Yeah. So definitely playing outside to me it like was just fundamental. Awesome, grown up, you mm-hmm. know, and like here, you guys grew up in Southern California. Oh yeah, yeah, Orange yeah. County. I mean, you can play outside all year. Like, there, I mean, you can play outside all year in, in Maine, but you're gonna be playing in the snow. And it's gonna be kind of cold. But yeah. here, you can play outside till nine o'clock at night every single day of the year. Yeah, and you can climb your trees parents let every you. single day of the year. <laughs> you can go barefoot the whole yeah. If your parents yeah. let you, yeah. you can go barefoot the entire year. You know, yeah. and yeah. I think that just you know, is a special thing that, and, and what I've observed as a teacher, what I've observed over the years interacting with young people is young people aren't doing that as much.
2: I tend to use a real simple philosophy, which is, um, if I have a choice between inside and outside, try to choose outside because it'll eventually be better. Mm -hmm. So every time I go to like a restaurant and like, Oh, would you like to sit inside or outside? How about outside? You know, or mm-hmm. you know, little, little little choices like that. If I get a drink and say, Well maybe I could go outside and finish my drink, mm-hmm. you know. Um and uh it just always makes it a little nicer for me. And
3: then you can have the ninja cocktail. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you say ninja cocktail? Ninja cocktail. It's yeah. yet to be invented. That's right. Oh, yeah. Well, hey. You know, uh, <laughs> it's so good you
1: don't even know you had it. <laughs> this, this, yeah, this is a reality that we could actually shape. <laughs> well played, ninjas. Well played. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Was there... Uh, actually, were there people that weren't in your family that inspired you along the way as, as a child, a teenager, an adult, um, that kind of became markers for you in a sense of like, wow, that's inspiring. That's cool. Um, I kind of want to gravitate towards... Towards that and my own choices, like mm-hmm. you know, obviously you made choices. You could have um, decided to just have a regular ninety-five job and do those kinds of things, but you kind of ended up being this teacher of mm-hmm. outdoor awareness skills and all that. Um, what was the process
3: that took you uh, there? That's a that's a good question. Um, I th- it was. I mean, my parents definitely were a big influence because they really. I feel like genuinely wanted me and my brothers, I have two younger brothers, to really do the thing that we love to do. My wife and I don't have kids, but we interact with parents. We interact with kids a lot. Parents have a hard job because you're just making these decisions and they're going to affect that child for the rest of their life. And, you know, it's easy for the child to be like, you didn't blah, 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 complain. You're ruining my life. So my parents definitely were like there to sort of allow... The process to happen,
1: you know, encourage and sort of leave you to your, your own devices, but yeah. Yeah. with love,
3: that kind of thing. And then I know you asked about people outside my family. Yeah. Um, I mean, when I was a kid, this is what I say sometimes, short version is, you know, when I was a kid, I wanted to be an Indian. I know that's not necessarily politically correct now, but hey, I, I know you what you mean Native American, Native person. I that that the idea of that was always in my mind, right? Not as like a good or bad. You know, cowboys and Indians thing, but I was like, wow, how awesome would it be? You resonated with live it. off the land like yeah. all the time, and and I didn't really feel like I needed a TV, and I didn't really feel like I needed a car, and I didn't really feel like I needed the stuff that we have in our modern life, you know. And then learning about people who had actually done that or gone for periods of time doing that, like Tom Brown Jr. I don't yeah, know if you guys heard. We, him, I was going to ask sure. you about yeah, him later. Sure. Yeah, yeah, he's <laughs> yeah. he's like. Very intense person, and I've taken a couple tracker school classes. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, you know, he learned from a guy named Stalking Wolf, who was right. a native Apache person mm-hmm. who, like, was a master of living off the land and pretty much lived off the land his entire life. Right, Tom Brown learned from him from the age of <laughs> seven to 17, which is very formative years, you know. And just hearing like there's a woman named um, Lynx Vilden, she does these immersion classes she does them all over the world um and she basically creates these experiences from a one-week experience like the one that i described in washington where we're sort of living off the land and it's sort of a beginner experience and if you've never really done any like hardcore wilderness survival you can kind of do a week and with good guidance from good teachers you can have a great time and feel good about yourself till she does ones that are like a month and three months long. Wow, wow. Um, and she's, and she's like living, I mean, she's alive and she's doing it right now. You can sign up for one of her classes. She does classes in France. She does classes in Sweden. She does this class in France where you basically do like a horse trek for a week through all of the old areas, like where the, all the cave paintings and all the ancient habitations of, you know, Whoa, that'd be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and she wears like full, I mean, she, she wears full on skins and, and, and then when she's not doing those classes working, she still lives in Washington, Eastern Washington, lives off the land. Is she of a native of, of uh,
1: the U.S. or Norway or Sweden? She's or? a
3: native of the U.S. and um, she actually took Tom Brown's classes and that's sort of what got her started, I guess, and... Um, so she's been doing those the types of classes that she does now. She's been doing those, those for about twenty years. Um, and her name's Lynx Velden. Lynx Velden. Velden. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And she's incredible. Um, and there's people like that 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 aren't necessarily um, people that I've met, but mm-hmm. just now with the internet, you just can have access to so many people's stories. You know, she hasn't written any books or anything, but mm-hmm. she's somebody that is really just currently like, whoa, you know, just like blows your mind kind of stuff. But at the same time, it's super simple. She's not doing something that's fireworks and extravagant. She's just doing something that's really simple, basic, but like following that that path of, you know, ancient
1: knowledge and skills. That's so Mm -hmm. cool. Um, You know, I've yet to take Tom Brown's basic classes, Mm -hmm. you know, the philosophy and then the skills class that he does. Um, I haven't done either of them, but um, I've had a lot of students of you know martial arts students of mine that have taken mm. his classes up to the you know scout levels and things like that. Yeah. And I've also taken um kind of like their summation. Like we would go up for you know five, six days up into the Beneville Pines and um mm. Big Bear and then then they would kind of relate what they learned over the week to us and we would mm. practice. So it was kind of like secondhand in mm. a way but um i was really fascinated with tom brown in high school and after high school reading yeah. his books and stuff it's just so fascinating the stories about grandfather and you know his sort of um friend brother best friend slash you know blood brother yeah. uh rick or rick, whatever yeah, yeah. um yeah inspiring yeah and and intriguing you yeah. know it just makes me light up thinking about what's possible
3: yeah he really in in person he's a little, almost like crazy. I've heard that is the sort of impression. But then, like hyper intense. Yeah, he just like wants you to to be motivated. Yeah, and he doesn't really care. This is the interpretation I have of him. He doesn't really care if 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 you think that he's being intense. Right. He just wants you to remember and then go home and do it, which is like pretty awesome. Yeah. Because <laughs> he yeah. doesn't really hold back. He's not like well, you know, the sensible person would do. That. He right. just like is like go home and do this because nobody's going to do it for you like you only got one life go for it you know and he gives you that sort of permission to do that that's know? so cool wow, and and, and not yeah. everybody does because they're like well tom brown's crazy and i don't know he's he said he said this or that he's not that crazy but mm-hmm. you know yeah. he's he's lived off the land for long periods of time and he has a different perspective on on life you know and so he comes off as very intense and very, you know, like He's, emphatic yeah. sometimes. He's all in. Yeah, he is yeah. totally all yeah. in. He's totally all in. Yeah,
1: but I've also heard some really interesting things about. I mean, obviously, if you read the books, you hear all about interesting perceptions and and abilities that he has. Mm-hmm. But then to have it verified from people who've gone to the classes who can tell you, yeah. yeah, you know what? Um, he could tell what people more or less ate, how much they ate and drank that day, and yeah. based on their footprint or. You know, tracking them on solid rock. You yeah. know, seeing footprints and and these are things that defy most people's um, conception of what's possible. You know, right? They think, "Oh, come on, that's BS. Yeah. Some kind of trick involved there." But no, I mean, this is just something he can do. Um, you know, we, our martial art teacher can do things as a eighty year old, eighty one year old that doesn't look real. Doesn't you know? It it defies most people's conception of what's possible with regard to physics, you know, think, oh, you can't possibly get someone to fly off of you like that. Yeah. They, they must be faking. It. It. Yeah. He's not even yeah. leaning into it. He's not even exerting much, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, um, that doesn't seem rational, mm-hmm. but yeah. Yeah. I'm sure you've seen some of that stuff too, just by being around him and, and having a keen eye like you do from, from being on nature so much.
3: Yeah. And he definitely, like there's some things that are unbelievable, but then you realize like with the tracking, especially like tracking is a weird sort of art because we do tracking all the time. It's called Mm. reading.
1: Yeah. Pattern recognition. Reading Mm. is tracking. Yeah. Mm.
3: And we have created letters that we understand as having meaning, you know, but I mean, this is an analogy that I, that I give to people. I give to parents sometimes is like, you know, all of us, in this room could recognize every single person's handwriting that we know. That's true. But that's if you asked, if we, if I asked you, you know, Carlos, how do you know that that's Oliver's handwriting? It's hard to explain. You be able to explain. You're right. It's really hard to explain. And, and to me, it, w- it sort of came down to being that simple is like yeah. Tom Brown has seen so many. That's a good example. Letters. I mean, tracks, letters yeah. written by so many different animals. Mm-hmm. And, and the key is, is that he's had the direct experience. And this is another thing that we are sort of trying to do with our classes is to give the kids direct experiences. Not direct experiences that are dangerous or harmful, mm-hmm. but give them the direct experience. Actually have them watch a snake move across sand. When right. you actually watch a snake move across sand, you realize why it's making the print that it's making. Because, mm-hmm. oh, oh. And it, And you see it directly, and I think Tom Brown, because of just sitting in the woods, spending time, spending so much time, so, you know has seen pregnant deer step into mud, mm-hmm. actually saw the deer, and then walked up and looked at the track later and was like, "Oh, that's what a pregnant deer looks like in October, or you know in whatever time of the year and whatever." substrate you know whatever mud or conditions that they stepped in and when you break it down to that level you realize oh these are just experiences that i haven't had right They're experiences that tom brown has had that's the difference well
1: and, and, and to you know, to to kind of climb onto that boat there um that's the experiences that he has had but then there's also the generations of experiences that he's taken you know on trust on words so it's like that's why we get herbal knowledge in a sense Mm -hmm. because we listen to what our elders or our teachers told us and memorize those things and it's like we're standing on the on the shoulders of those giants and uh, you remember in the books he was talking about how the different um apache tribes had a various um, levels of track register memory Mm -hmm. like the different positions in the track and different kinds of um qualities of the track what they called registers right Mm -hmm. and some of them had like two thousand or three thousand but his tradition they what was it like five or nine thousand it was they were like up at the top and so his you know apache indians were known for being such great trackers but then his particular teacher was from a lineage of apache that was had this incredible number of track registers
3: that they had memorized exactly and (sighs) wow he when he breaks it down at the class it's 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 it, the way that they give each of the registers a name is by terms in landscape. Oh. So it's like a crest fall and a crest crumble, and and, and those are landscape terminologies. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, this is being translated from, like, Lip on Apache to English, uh-huh. but the names for them are from experience, from looking at landscape, Because of course there's macro tracks and there's micro tracks, you know, Mm -hmm. and water makes tracks on the landscape and the same way that a deer makes tracks on the landscape. And you, as you sort of, as I contemplated Tom Brown and I was taking his classes, I took the advanced tracking and awareness class, which was awesome. And I did it in the Pine Barrens in New Jersey where he'd learned and he had us like stare at a deer track for like four hours and sketch it and then sketch it again and then sketch it again and sketch it again and your eyes are like hurting by the end of the four hours (laughs) and he's like pacing back and forth like past this because we he basically found a line of like 40 deer tracks in a row and had groups of like four or five people sketching on each one and he was walking up and down this line of these tracks just like you know, after like two hours, he's like, "This is this is nothing." Grandfather made me sit and stare tracks for like twelve hours. Your <laughs> eyes aren't getting sore, your knees aren't getting sore. Just keep sketching. You know, <laughs> like he would just be all, you know, drill he's, sergeant. He's playing a role. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. He, he knows what he's doing. He's playing a role. He's old school. And and some people, you know, sort of <sighs> cringe and yeah. fan themselves. Gosh, he's trying to hurt our feelings. You know, mm. but it's like most everybody's like. Kind of chuckles and they're like, yep, yeah, this is what I signed up for. Right. Yeah, you know, right. Oh, that's great. And you're staring at the track for four hours and then you lift your head up and you're like, oh my gosh, like, what am I doing? And all of a sudden you just see tracks everywhere, you know, <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. everywhere it is a track. Like the way that a tree grows different from another tree, you start to see like the tracks of the wind, you know, and then you start to see and it's not magic. It's, it's your eyes. It's yeah. the way that you see and you're training yourself to just see more detail. And then, of course, what Tom Brown learned from grandfather was how to talk about the details, how to say, this is a crest crumble, this is a crest, whatever, how to break those things down so that you can speak to another person about it. You know, mm-hmm. and, and not just say, oh, well, I know because of this, but to actually be able to articulate, oh, this is why this is this this is how I know that that's a pregnant, you know, female deer is because of this kind of, you know, crest fall or crest crumble in the on the left side of this and that, you know. That's, so, that's fascinating. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it the, the it way is. you're
2: describing this um, makes me think of um, any trade. Any, any serious discipline that anybody does, you know, uh, I'm thinking of healthcare right now, you know, Um, you learn some kind of healthcare discipline and you learn anatomy and you learn about the skin and then you learn about joints and muscles and diseases and signs and symptoms. And after a while you can see an old lady walking through, uh, you know, the coffee shop and you go, oh yeah, she had a stroke left side of the brain caused this, this pattern, that pattern. And you see all these things that an untrained person wouldn't see but the only reason you can see it is because you've been taught to pay attention for a really long time. Right. Yeah, and yeah. and it's really very practical and there really isn't anything magical about it, but it does seem magical. Doesn't it does it? seem yeah, magical. Right? And like, yeah. like
3: people like uh, for many years have said, this is like, you know, magic is sort of science that is not understood. Yeah. By oh,
2: absolutely. Yeah. People, you, know. you know, I, I had a, a, a teacher of mine, um, uh, an acupuncture teacher of mine, who taught me how to tell the sex of the baby by taking the patient's pulse. And I was amazed at how, um, systematic it was, and it wasn't simple at all he was saying okay if if this position you know there's these three positions that your fingers are on there's three positions on each wrist and and there's the superficial the middle and the deep and so the, there's a lot of positions then you compare the first position on this side to the last position on that side and then compare it to the opposite side in the front you know and if this one's stronger than that one then it mean that it's a 70% chance that it's a boy if this one is also stronger than that one then it's 99% chance it's a boy but you can't tell unless it's this far into the pregnancy and there's all these little details right And um, I've just had fun ever since feeling people's pulses and going, boy, girl, uh, (laughs) I think this is a girl, but I can only say 70% right now. You know what I mean? And then it's it's almost always correct. And somebody might say, you can't feel somebody's wrist pulse and tell if it's a boy or a girl. That's silly, right? Mm -hmm. You go, oh, yeah. (laughs) I do it all the time. You know, it's just has somebody pointed it out to me. I wouldn't have found it on my own, you know, but. And And it's
3: tuning you into the subtlety. Of a pulse, because, yeah, like most people aren't sitting there going, "Oh, well, I have like these different qualities of pulse in my wrist we're just, oh, pulse, I feel it, okay, you know, yeah, but when you start tuning into all yeah. the subtleties, then you're like, yeah, <laughs> you're getting a lot more information, right? It's yeah, I suppose that
1: that really opens your mind to the question, what else is possible? If this is possible, then. What else is possible? Exactly. Uh, because, you know, we're on the same track, Satch, talking about, I was just going to say more or less the same thing, that, mm. that um, there are different disciplines that um, some people would hear about and just be bored stiff and would never have the patience or even the curiosity to want to know all the things that would be required for you to get the skill of knowing some kind of subtle thing like that, that would appear like you were psychic.
3: It would appear yeah. like
1: you're able to have predictive ability or you know, some kind of um, you know, psychic uh, sense of some kind when in fact it's, it's very subtle awareness, it's skill that's yeah. been developed. I mean, we know about um, the things that we've learned to feel through touch in martial arts. By the moment I feel someone's arm, there's a certain level of skill I've developed through that practice. I can tell where someone's balance is in that moment, whether my eyes were open or closed, doesn't mm. matter because it's not based on what i look at it's based on what i feel in my body mm-hmm. and that's a feedback loop you know it's, i'm getting feedback and this stuff that you're talking about when you're spending that much time it's meditation you know your your mind is singular and absorbed fully into what it is you're experiencing and you're not thinking about other things you're just fully taking in what it is you're observing and there's a, a certain kind of a learning that cannot be replaced you can't you know You'll pass go and you know, skip, or what am I saying? Uh, skip, Pass go and pass collect go, not collect 200. Yeah, yeah. whatever. You, you, you've got to do the work, you've got to put in the time, you've got to be on your belly for 12 hours or whatever, mm-hmm. and have your eyes hurt before you can get that. But they're not hurting,
2: no, and neither are your knees <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah,
1: that's really important
2: to remember. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Listening to the Authenticity Show with your hosts Carlos Casados and Satch Purcell. Up next, Carlos and Satch continue their conversation with Mark Hay about nature, including stories about encounters in nature, advice about getting deeper into nature, and nature as a church. Stay tuned.
2: I meet people that don't like to go outside. That don't like to go camping. Their idea of, of a vacation is a fine hotel by the pool with room service and, and these kinds of things. And, and uh, for me, I couldn't imagine a better vacation than being out in nature. You yeah. know, um, so maybe you know it would be fun to give some pointers. Mm. You know, how, how would somebody who's not feeling very connected to nature start? You know, well, if, what are
3: some tips? If you have kids, just follow your kids around. That is beautiful. Because That's they nice. will do funny stuff. And of course, you're probably following around anyway because you don't want them to eat a snail or, you know, do something dangerous. <laughs> I did that right? when I was like two, falling yeah, right. into the poison ivy. But, you know, <laughs> kids are pretty like, pretty curious. You know, they're just going and and they'll stay in one place for like two hours and just, Play in the dirt, playing the dirt, you know, running yeah. these experiments, making these observations on an intuitive level by repeating the same thing over and over again, and sometimes you know the adult brain says, well, they're just doing the same thing over and over again, but they're kind of it's like they're running an experiment mm, that's
2: that's good. I remember being a child and noticing the finest of details and things, and right. then as an adult, I look and go. Gosh, how long have I had that pen and never even realized what it said on the side of the pen? Right. But as a kid, I would have known exactly what it said on the side of the yeah. pen because mm. you pay attention to you those kinds of things. Stared
3: at it. I mean, some some people, I, mean, I would have <laughs> stared at it, you know, and like really like taking it in, and then flipped it over and been like, "Where did we even get? How did? Who? Why are we writing on the sides of pen? You know, you just go yeah. into all that in your mind. Right. You know, right. Right. I would but, have
1: been imagining it was a spaceship. Yeah. flying around yeah right yeah. right because you go
3: you go into that imaginative mind and it's so great because yeah. it's like mm. it opens up more possibilities like uh, yeah, and even if are not real play. possibilities you're opening up these possibilities and your mind is like wide open you know and so i mean yeah following kids around and i mean a lot of people they say they don't really like nature but they kind of do you know mm. like they don't they like a certain kind you know like okay. man golf courses you know I don't like golf courses, but But the golf courses, you know, like if you go to Scotland or whatever, I've seen pictures of golf courses in Scotland that are actual natural, naturally occurring places that look just like the perfect golf course. And it's just because they're newly grazed grasslands that are right next to the ocean where the grass only gets this tall because it's growing in sand and the sheep come and they graze it and they mow it all down. And then You go and you play golf on it, and you're like, "Wow, that looks like a perfect golf course." And it's just sheep grazing next to the ocean, which is Mm. where golf was invented, right? So it's like, I don't know, people. Wow. People sometimes like you. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Say they they claim they don't like nature, but Uh it 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 seems like
1: the the stumbling blocks that I hear about most are either worried about bugs, right? Not being able to shower, and not being comfortable when they sleep, yeah, or being cold. Yeah. Those seem like to, to be the major, <laughs> the head turns. <laughs> right, right. But and yeah. going potty outside. really oh, is, that That, that, that's a big that would be a sixth one outside. Yeah. yeah.
3: And those can be overcome. Those are skills. Like building yeah. a comfortable bed is a skill. I mean, that's shelter building. That's the first priority, right? Mm-hmm. If you can build yourself a comfortable bed, then you have like, you know, ninja level one. <laughs> yeah. You know? wow. And then going to the bathroom, Outside, like in our classes, I teach class with my wife. You know, she takes the girls to the bathroom. I take the boys to the bathroom. Sometimes finding like a private place to go to the bathroom in the woods is a little tricky. But if you kind of know the area and you kind of, you know, we're walking down the trail and we're kind of always like scoping out to find the spot where it might be a good bathroom spot in case one of the kids has to go to the bathroom. And it's just a skill that you learn just like anything else. Just like going to the bathroom in a house, you know, it's like, yeah, everybody everybody knows where the bathroom is in the house right? yeah that's Same right. thing in nature yeah, <laughs> we, yeah we call it potty training right, right? exactly it's, you yeah. have to train to to know how to yeah. do it wow so you know the barriers are are approachable yeah you know, okay But Good. i think a lot of people have fear fear is always fear is always there fear,
1: fear is the mind killer yeah <laughs> yeah fear it's, it's a sagittarian low. thing <laughs>
2: It sounds like your deep love of nature, you know, and, uh, you know, has, has pulled you into living your life in nature and having a career, you know, that's based upon nature. Um, is outside sort of your church, your mosque? What, what, is, what, what, is, what is your relationship, you know, to, to nature that's outside of yourself? It's funny that
3: you say mosque because I got to go to Egypt when I was a little kid, when I was in 1984, when I was 10 years old. Wow. And experience. I got to go into this very old mosque. And the first thing that I saw, thought when I stepped into that mosque is, this feels like a forest. Hmm. So. Wow. It, wow. Is, it is my mosque. It is wow. my church.
2: Those domed ceilings are yeah. just like the dome of the sky. Yeah, because
3: you know? they have yeah. these arches, you know, that are holding up this, like, stone, you know. And then they have these pillars that go up and just, like, arc up like this. And they look like... Like a sacred geometry. Yeah, situation they, they there. fully yeah. go on the sacred yeah. geometry and there's just like lines and lines of pillars. Like as far as you can see, this mosque is huge. I mean, it's probably maybe like a quarter of a mile square. It's just huge. And there's people going in and out of it all the time. And it just feels like a forest and it's cool inside. And in Egypt, mm. it's so hot. You go into the mosque, it's like you're in this shaded little stone forest with sacred geometry. It's beautiful. And so, yeah. wow. you know, I've seen those kind of parallels. For me, yeah, nature is like a church, you know, Mm. definitely. Mm. And for, I think, a lot of people, the church is nature, you know. Mm -hmm. Like cathedral, Mm -hmm. light coming through the stained glass. You can see those same colors just after a rain Mm. in a forest when the sun comes through the rain or when the sun comes through the fog. Mm -hmm. You almost see the same colors as on stained glass windows.
1: You ever find yourself just um, looking at certain places and imagining what it was like 60 years ago, 80 years ago, 150 years ago?
3: Yeah, definitely. I did that yeah. so
1: much as a kid, and I still do yeah. when I go hiking. I just I, I see that nowadays you go for a hike and you you see the you know the outline of the of the houses in the distance, and you really it, it's hard to get away from seeing the encroachment. Mm-hmm. And I remember going hiking and running into uh, mountain lions and bobcats and, you know, and you can still run into coyotes and things like that, but it's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's like getting less and less. And I I liked the, the fact that it was a little edgy. It was a little bit like you had to just really pay attention and know. Mm -hmm. I I liked that. I found it soothing because it was like an escape from encroachment. Yeah. Yeah. And getting away from that was just really soothing even mm-hmm. though there was an element of paying attention and there's some danger involved or whatever, yeah. it relaxed me to get yeah. out. Yeah. And I found myself now, and when I, when I go out even more, I, I, I struggle to imagine what it was like because there's so much building and there's so much in the way of roads and air traffic and...
3: Yeah, noise. I mean, like noise like, yeah, noise, yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. Light so pollution. Much noise. Light, yeah, light pollution. pollution it's yeah. hard to see the sky. Yeah. I mean, we remember growing up here when there, I mean, whole parts of cities weren't even there. Yeah. And Orange there was groves. Open fields, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, like sometimes, you know, my wife and I lament that. And, and then you all, you sort of realize, like, well, 50 years from now, mm-hmm. people are going to be looking back on right now and being like, remember the good old days, yeah, you really? know? And that's like yeah. a little chilling too, you know? Yeah. Like I is. remember
1: uh, talking to this um, old fella. He was probably eighty, eighty five, something like that. And he'd been in Orange County pretty much all of his entire life. And he was talking about how um you could legally hunt in Aliso Viejo, Aliso Creek and mm-hmm. Crown Valley. It was all hunting area. You just take out his rifle and hunt for food and take out his hunting dogs and mm-hmm. it was like oh. no no
3: Because Cota de Casa was a uh, hunting Reserve. Okay. So they built houses on it. Till the mm. 80s, it was a hunting reserve. Wow. You I know. didn't know it was that late. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> and they built houses, they started building houses there in like the early 80s. But before that, it was a hunting reserve and they had like wild boar and moose and, Gee. you know, and oh. they had these little sort of human made, like, wetlands and ponds that the moose could have their habitat which is just bizarre to even wow. think of you know well, yeah. so many layers remember know? when we had the wild animal park where yeah um,
1: L- lion country safari, lion lion country country safari. safari. yeah until yeah. until some lions broke into the cars or whatever it was yeah. because people were being yeah. dumb and trying I mean, to feed them you'd from the know. window
3: never <laughs> be able to have that <laughs> yeah. nowadays right yeah it's, it's impossible
2: it's insane to even think about the possibility right of off the today. freeway
1: you'd yeah. be you know riding down the freeway and then right there yeah there's I a mean, giraffe and and I actually remember as well, um, driving down the 405 uh, between sort of Culver, Jamboree area and seeing foxes jumping up and down next to the freeway in the fields that are now um, built upon. Mm -hmm. But I was like, huh, there are freaking foxes there. (laughs) Yeah, that's amazing. I was with my stepdad. I'm like, did you see that? Wow. Amazing.
2: Do do you have any uh, interesting, um, you know animal stories that might be worth sharing
3: um yeah um i was walking barefooted one time at peter's canyon which we all know were are peter's yeah canyon is we love and, peter's canyon um, yeah and i love walking barefoot because you're quiet and you can just feel and tune in you know and i walked right up to a bobcat like five feet away like from me to you from a bobcat that was just sleeping on the ground and it was in the middle of the day it was like 12 or one o'clock in the afternoon you know and i just was lucky enough to have approached with the right kind of you know like respect and the right kind of you know quietness Mm -hmm. and then the bobcat like i sort of stopped and i was you know like i kind of gasped very subtly probably because i was (laughs) like wow so Um, cool you know and i'm sure that Bobcat kind of like felt that and kind of like opened his eyes and kind of looked up and kind of rolled his head back and looked at me and then kind of looked at my feet like, you know, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I'm sleeping over here. Right. But it was like, you know, and he wasn't aggressive or she wasn't aggressive Mm. and it was just awesome. And then she got up. That's right. It's a bobcat. It might be a male, you know, and then kind (laughs) of, Moved off and just walked up a trail. Wow, um, that's great. But that's that was right here in our own backyard. Yeah. And it was that's at the great. Lower part of Peters Canyon where, you know, where the big like flood basin is, yeah. where the houses are. The houses were there. The houses, you know, mm-hmm. this was probably five years ago. It okay. was like 200 feet from wow, Tustin Ranch housing development or, you know, yep. 400 feet, I guess, from Tuss Ranch housing. Wow.
1: Wow. I've seen a bobcat in Peters Canyon as well yeah. near where that, that, Thing that looks like a bunker.
3: Oh yeah, yeah, is at the bottom uh, of back the when dam. that used to be
1: really grassy and and it was right there.
3: Yeah, bobcats so. are pretty. They're pretty awesome because they're yeah. so small. Yeah, and you can. But when you see them, you're like, that's not a cat. Like you just it, mm-hmm. immediately you yeah. you recognize it as a wild animal, and the way that they look at you is just like so cool because they're just like, they just don't give a shit. Yeah, know? they're like, <laughs> they yeah. looking at you like, what are you looking at? you know? Yeah. It's yeah. Like their whole mannerisms are so great. <laughs> I remember
2: years ago I was in um, Palomar with my mom and I was an adolescent and uh, we were hiking up a trail and then we heard these kids screaming that there's a mountain lion and we both looked at each other and thought Bobcat,
3: you yeah. know?
2: And so we went out for a little while and we're on our way back and we're sort of coming up the, up a hill. So, so the, the trail sort of was, was peaking from, from both sides. Right and we couldn't see the mountain lion that was coming up on the other side of the hill because it was (laughs) not a bobcat. (laughs) And then we just came face to face with this mountain lion and she looked at us and just crouched down. I went, mountain lion. And my mom goes, Oh my God. Right. I said, let's just turn around and walk the other way. So we walked the other way and we made a lot of noise. I'm like, let's just sort of kick our feet, make a lot of noise and let her know where we're at. And, and, uh, um, then we waited about 10 minutes and we walked back and I didn't know where she was. We're like, we're going on the trail. This is about where she was. Where is she? It was such a scary feeling. And I looked to my left and there was this fallen tree over a stream. And she was just laying on the fallen tree, just watching us walk by with, you know, very, and a, a very intense gaze. Yeah, And, uh, yeah, we, we realized those kids knew what they were talking about. That's that awesome. Very
3: humbling. Very humbling yeah. to see
2: a powerful creature like that. Yeah. yeah the lines and there's no bars.
3: Yeah, yeah. Th- yeah. There's no, there's nothing between you and the. Yeah, yeah it, we you know,
1: out. what is that 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 trail that's um uh it's is it Aliso Creek Trail that's down there? There's 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 an area that you can hike in. Maybe there's a robber's cave or thieves cave or something like that. And then there's an area that you're not supposed to go in that has um barbed wire. Is that is that Aliso Creek? Aliso Woods? Maybe? Aliso Woods, yeah. Aliso I think Woods? that's what it is, yeah. yeah. Years ago back when I was working on kind of from reading Tom Brown and just kind of my own thing um I would go off trail and try to go where other people weren't. Mm -hmm. And I would follow the animal trails as far as I could. So I would kind of follow and just be quiet, really, really quiet, do like barefoot. Mm -hmm. And I got in a little bit too close to a mountain lion in that case. And I remember going deeper and deeper into the trail and then suddenly um, recognizing that I was being tracked. I could I sensed like like a shadow or some kind of movement. And then I heard this ta-dunk, like I, the, the body weight of it going from wherever it was to a lower area, maybe jumping off a rock or I don't know what it was. And the alert in my whole body just sort of lighting up like, okay, this could be really serious right now. I could be in some serious trouble. So I remember working my way back through the trails. And every once in a while when I would turn a corner, I would kind of catch a glimpse of this blonde cat you know Mm. and luckily i was close enough to get over the barbed wire quick enough and into the open grass area where i think it didn't want to go right right um but it was an alarming interesting and awesome experience because yeah yeah (laughs) i had a knife on me but i don't think that would have been too effective uh, unless i was very precise with it
3: (laughs) yeah Mm. because you're like Your food, like you're not the top of the food chain at that point, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have liked your chances there, yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I weighed much less, then, yeah,
2: (laughs) maybe not so appealing, huh? Yeah, yeah, I was too scrawny. Wow. find your camp and your services.
3: Tell us about that. How how could somebody find you and bring their kids? Um, Our school's called Coast Live Oak School. We named it after our local native oak tree called Coast Live Oak. And they only grow in Southern California and a little bit up into Central California. So CoastLiveOak.com is our website. Mostly we do classes for kids, but I do classes for adults too. Oh, wonderful. Most of the adult classes I do are one-on-one because Every, adults are at a, a lot of different levels, you know, and mm-hmm. so we try to kind of meet people where they are. And, you know, um, so if you guys are interested in doing a hide tanning, I, I'm very, that's sort of the next like skill yeah. that I'm going to pass on. Wow. And it's, that sounds amazing. It takes a lot of time, but it's incredibly rewarding because you're making your own clothes basically. And yeah. you're using something that is, a lot of hunters will throw the skin away. Um, but if you know how to use it and you know, then that would be an clothes.
2: amazing experience to actually make your own piece of clothing. Yeah, uh, I would love to it? do that. I'm, I'm, I'm in. Yeah. yeah I think me too. we're in. Me too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'd right. love to do that. Yeah,
3: it's pretty awesome. Yeah. It's yeah. And it's relatively simple, but it just takes some elbow grease and you know, and if you more people working on it, the easier it is. Cause then you don't have to do it by yourself. So. Oh, beautiful.
1: Yeah. I have a question, yeah, sure. um, for you. Uh, what was the situation or do you have a situation that was a difficult, scary or serious situation that you had to use your skills and think your way through it or or problem solve that you can share?
3: Um I've never there there's been times at night where your sort of fear overwhelms you. I've never really been in an emergency situation. Wow. I mean, that's fortunate. And, Partly because I I don't, I haven't really put myself in that situation, partly because I've been lucky and just haven't been. Maybe because you're doing it right. For me, it's, it's, it's more going to church, going to a sacred place, you know, and for me, I'm primarily a teacher. I mean, I love teaching and for me learning the skills, I learned them so that I could pass them on to other people because I feel like they're skills that are human skills that we need to keep passing, you know? And so, for me, spending a lot of time, maybe putting myself in dangerous places, wasn't really that wasn't really the route that I took. Mm -hmm. You know, but Mm. you know, I mean, maybe I was in danger and I didn't know. You know, yeah. (laughs) But being by yourself at night, I mean, I'm sure you guys have been outside sleeping on the ground at night. Yes, man, you can trick yourself into thinking all kinds of things or have bad things happening. You know, yeah, absolutely. And that's where you sort of. Mm-hmm. face your own fear and then you wake up in the morning and the sun rises and the sun is the most beautiful thing because mm-hmm. that sun's rising it's getting warmer and you're like I made it through the night yeah <laughs> right <laughs> I didn't get eaten right? oh, oh wow so. that's great but, well gosh
1: I felt like I learned a lot from this
2: yeah me too it's yeah. really nice Yeah, thanks, really thanks nice. for having me guys yeah.
3: and
1: it's good to talk
2: yeah and thanks for keeping that torch lit yeah that's great yeah I
1: look forward to uh, authenticity um, field trip field trip with you because whatever it is, even if it's uh, doing an overnight somewhere yeah. um, where we can do some, some skills training, that'd be really cool awesome. yeah, would love that
0: You've been listening to The Authenticity Show with your hosts Carlos Casados and Satch Purcell Very special thanks to our guest, Mark Hay If you'd like to connect with Mark and find out more about Coast Live Oak School, go to www.coastliveoak.com. The show is produced by Oliver Altine. Our theme music is composed by Oliver Altine. That's me. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And check out our website, authenticityshow.com. Thanks for listening, and have an authentic day.